The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined as always by my co-conspirators, Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. Uh, we're recording on a Monday afternoon here. So, gentlemen, how are your weekends? I just want to say that honey Dijon mustard is the best condiment there is. That's a very um, – It's really just – it's the closest. It's it's the most recent activity that I completed was eating a sandwich with honey Dijon mustard, um, and so we're trying to keep it linear with my thoughts here. I moved into an apartment after a week of being asked to do things I'm completely unqualified to do. Uh, time inside an IKEA, and that place is overwhelming. You could get lost in there pretty easy. I actually did not know how to get out a couple of times. And then when you spend like over an hour in there with the whole mask thing, it kind of gets real steamy. And uh, it almost felt like I was trapped and I was going to die inside this Swiss or Swedish store. And that was going to be the end of me. But I made it out and I'm now uh, moved into an apartment that I'm not currently at because I don't have Wi-Fi yet. But that is loosely. I heard I That's loosely the plot to Midsummer. Oh, it's really cool. I said that's loosely the plot to Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ikea is awesome. It's just so big and they're, everything's categorized into rooms. And so it's like a maze and you're like, how the hell do I get out of this thing again? And it takes a while. You got to know what you're doing before you roll in there. You can't just stroll in there thinking you're going to grab something and walk out. No, not how not it a, works. Have you, heard the, the, have you heard the theory that yeah. – well, speaking of Trader Joe's, have you heard the theory that um, – at grocery stores, they intentionally have bad cell service, so you can't text people. Um, that like, what like, do we need A or B thing? You'll just end up buying both because you don't want to go back. Oh yeah, all kinds of stuff in there. They they put the milk at the back, so when you just go in to grab milk and something else, you got to pass everything else. They got all kinds of tricks up their sleeves. It's like the the casino for retrieving food. Trying to make it out of that fucking Harris, dude. I've been in more times than I can count and get lost on the way out every fucking like, time. No windows and no clocks in grocery stores either, I don't think. It's like, yeah, it just that makes sense. Well, I'll KP, how was your weekend? You were the only one on the road. I just had sat sat around with my thumb up my ass. Yeah, my Rouge. weekend was pretty good. Uh, I went to Austin, Texas just to visit a couple friends. Um, 
It's uh, from Ben Rouge. It's not that bad of a drive for people listening. It's basically just I-10 for, you know, 88% of the ride and then a couple of Texas highways afterwards. Um, but as we know, this past weekend, um, Hurricane Laura um, hit Southwest Louisiana pretty tough. So uh, I-10 was closed basically from Lafayette through the border, uh, which I didn't think was going to be an issue. Um getting out there. So I say, you know, whatever, I'll just drive up to Dallas and then come right back down 35 to Austin. And um, that's probably the worst day of my life. Uh, Spending 13 hours in a car, um, most of that in North Louisiana and Texas heat. Um, So I buried the lead here. I have a similar story. So I got out here and lived with my girlfriend for two weeks and brought like half of my stuff out here. But the rest of it was from in a uh, U-Haul and so my basically what happened was I have two younger brothers that are still in college. And so when my mom went to go help them move into their houses at Ole Miss, or I guess only one now, the other one's in med school. Fuck, I'm old. Um, but anyway, the other one, I put my stuff from my former house into that and just kind of kept it there for a couple of weeks until I got settled out here. Well, fast forward two hurricanes later in a couple of weeks, uh, my mom decides to drive across the state of Louisiana not really thinking much, like had seen the news that obviously Lake Charles, very bad shape. It took, you know, it took its toll on a, uh, you know, decent chunk of Louisiana. What she did not think about was a potential gas shortage. And so she opted not to get gas at Monroe because it's only what, hour 30, hour 45 from Jackson. Well, here comes the problem <laughs> around Ruston because no gas. Which closed, one? Closed, one open with 50 people. Uh, I'll keep chanting it. And runs out of gas 0.8 miles from the nearest exit and has to pay some gentleman who's basically just running an undercover gas service via the sheriff's department $200 for like four gallons of gas or two gallons of gas. And ran out of gas on the side of the road. was there for oh, an hour God. and rusted. So – I've been really I've been really trying to delve into what potential right wing grift I could get in, because while it is a more saturated market than it was, I do still think there is room for opportunity. So we'll have to talk off mic. We can't let the listeners in on what this potential uh, gas shortage grift might be, because 100 bucks for for two gallons of gas sounds like a, a pretty I mean, sweet we deal could just pull um, an Always Sunny and just like <laughs> just have, um, you know, cans. Of, I'll count it. One, two, three, can, four, Cans five. and cans of gas like in someone's garage and just you know, when there's a shortage, we we sell it for, you know, two fifty a pop when it's going for $3 everywhere else and just, you know, make out like bandits. Make Selling out like it. $10 worth of gas for 200 Amidst a uh, natural disaster, isn't that called like price gouging or something? I don't Sounds know. Right. Free market, baby. That's what I, that's what I call it, Rippy. That is called supply and demand. I don't know where you went to school. Well, my mom was like, he could not have been nicer, and I was like, well, yeah, no shit. He's taking two hundred dollars for ten hundred bucks of gas. I'm sure he was nice. If he was a dick, then he was just a ruthless motherfucker. Yeah, I will say, though, probably as a woman stranded on the side of the road, anyone that doesn't uh, kill or violate her is a nice person, even if they're stealing all her money. I think our words were, yeah, she, he, he took 200 but honestly, I might have paid 1500 if it had come down to it. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can foresee that situation. My first car ever actually was a uh, 15-year-old, yeah, KP knows this, it was a 15-year-old... Um, 
Buick LeSabre. And if you're familiar with them, it is like, think of the widest fucking car that you can, like a car that Joe Biden would just get off to driving. It's just a nice, boy, a big My car. dad drive a car. <laughs> Anyways, it, oh boy, could my dad drive a car. Anyways, he... The the thing had a broken gas gauge and I had a shitty part-time job in, in high school. And so I could only fucking afford to fill it up like $7 at a time. And so when I tell you, like, I, I probably ran out of gas half a half dozen times there, multiple times on the way to school in the morning, just, at, just un, unbelievably irresponsible behavior. All right, so speaking of irresponsible behavior, um, the Big Ten is basically uh, trying to, you know, act like we can't read, basically. Uh, they're assuming that the collective college football community does not have reading comprehension. Uh, for those unaware, uh, the reports came out this week that there was recently an 11-3 to vote um, against playing the 2020 college football season amongst Big Ten presidents. Um, this comes after um, our best friend Clay Travis and others uh, railed against the Big Ten um, because the athletic directors supposedly supported the season to a person, fourteen to zero. Uh, so, gentlemen, I'm basically asking uh, if you're a Nebraska fan, uh, how much longer do you think um, you can go without uh, jumping off the top of Memorial Stadium? I mean, you're talking about. Uh- you you got to have some strong resolve to be a Nebraska fan anyway, so I don't think this should be the tipping point for anyone. It's, but it, also, it's, 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 you've lived a life from, in Nebraska too, so I mean, you you got to be tougher than this. It, yeah, and like at least they're holding on. Like the reason they're so crazy, I I guess starred for it is that they're holding on to something. It's like Tennessee on roids, right? Like the '90s were awesome, but it's never happening again. But they're just not going to listen to that. But I think there's enough hope held out from that to not jump that's yet. That's fair. But the thing is, what's funny is that Nebraska is one of the three schools that seems like that's pushing the hardest for the season when I definitely think they could benefit more than anyone from a canceled season. I mean, year three of Scott Frost was not going to be good uh, at all. <laughs> and if they can stave off, you know, firing their literally their golden boy uh, for one more year, I think that could be beneficial for everyone involved. He may it may end up being two, three, even longer than that if you talk about uh, what the money required to have in the bank to fire him. Because I think the lingering effects of that for the next, you know, eighteen months to two years, you're going to see a lot of really bad coaches keep their jobs because their buyouts are just stupid, and they're not going to have the money in the bank, particularly if they don't, you know. I mean, they're already strapped for cash, but if you don't play a season or a normal season, it's going to be even worse. Well, so I, KP, were talking. KP and I were talking about this a little bit when uh, before you hopped on, but um, LSU was mentioned as a specific example just because, I mean, after Jamar Chase declared, I saw the comparison from the national championship depth chart, and it wasn't with the new one, but it was just red lines through anyone who had left. And, I mean, it, the entire fucking page was red. And so I, he was basically like – it's not going to be a Gene Chizik type fall off that at Auburn. I mean, the, the two situations that LSU just had so much more talent. It wasn't predicated on someone like Cam. But my overall point, I guess, is let's say someone like LSU doesn't have to be LSU, but like how much stock can you put into this season, I guess? And and I know it's been talked about a little bit, but like I might I might be wrong. And maybe maybe I was already just looking for a reason to uh, hate and bag on college football. But like the interest level that I have right now is 
terrifyingly low. I mean, like on life support and in terms of like, I mean, I, I could have given you every year between now and 2012, I could have given you pretty much every single player on Georgia's like three deep. And now I have no idea who maybe some of the 22 starters are. And so like, is this just a me who's mad at the world type thing? Or is like, is this something throughout college football that is, is like, I don't know, taking root that the just like apathy factor. I pondered this kind of exact same thing really for the last week or so, because like, so we had our like high school league fantasy football draft that we've been doing for like almost a decade now. And I was like sitting there as we were drafting last night, I was like, this is harder to get into it as much. Like I did a little to no research, like no, and I'm not a big like draft guy nerd, but at least I look some stuff, get excited about it. And then it just kind of snuck up on me. But then on the other side of the coin, did either of y'all watch uh, UCA? No, I, no, but I did see the internet I was going gonna, wild. Yeah. So like I, I didn't either. No, did I was going to say, I just wasn't really on my phone phone that much Saturday either. So I I was completely insulated from college football and it did not bother me one bit on Saturday. Yeah. So I, I didn't really either, but it was really just more of a product of one. I had like stuff to do with the apartment all day. And then I like my mom and I went out to eat and it was just like not part of the agenda. Like I was not planning my day around UCA Austin P even though it was the first college football game, but I went back the next day and watched like bits and pieces of it out of just my curiosity and it felt normal-ish. Like, the stands weren't full, but, like, people were kind of spaced out. And there was enough of, like, an ambiance and a crowd noise to where I don't even really know what I'm saying other than it felt way more normal than I thought it was going to be. And maybe that's because it's a tiny stadium and when you get into, you know, Neyland or, you know, Bryant-Denny and it's at 25% capacity, it's going to be way weirder. But the the aesthetics of it looked way more normal than I thought. So I just – that made me think of, like – if we get two to three weeks into this thing and somewhat quote unquote successful, will that get people into it again? Because at the end of the day, if the product's good and it's just not uber weird having not that many people there, you're getting SEC games every single week. And I wonder if that will like kickstart the, uh, the buy-in because like Andrew, my apathy level is also very high. I've just, if I've still wasn't working for the spirit like part time to like, you know, be paid to be informed, I guess. I would be yeah, Rip, you hit the nail on the head when you said if the product's good. Um, I think Roger Sherman, uh, a writer for The Ringer, tweeted out, you know, back in the summer, you know, I thought the funniest thing would be, I don't know, maybe a, long, a team's long snapper had to sit out due to COVID and all their punts were disasters. And apparently that's exactly what happened to one of the teams on Saturday night. Uh, so if – here's the thing. I'm going to pay attention because I've just been an Alabama fan for – like nine years now, and that's just not going to change. But it, it's going to be hard for me to care if it's like, oh, can't wait to watch the Tide this week. Oh, great. Like, you know, uh, we're going to have to play tight ends and fullbacks on the O-line because that position group is all quarantining for this week. It's it, If the product is bad and there's already a pandemic going on, I'm not sure how much I can bring myself to like really get emotionally invested. And it's all tied, as you said, to like mm-hmm. the personnel, right? Like the way the product becomes bad is not the lack of practice or the fans in the stands. It's some, like you said, a long snapper playing fullback or some shit just because they have, you know, 45 dudes that are not walk-ons on sweats on the sideline with their jersey and no pads and the cool sweatpants and hats. Like that's where this just becomes a joke. Yeah, and I think that – 
when when you mention go well, what I think comes into that almost like subconsciously is the reason I think the NBA goes well is because you're not reminded that it, like it sounds dumb, but like they have been successful in creating an environment that is almost free of the pandemic. And therefore, when you watch it, you aren't constantly thinking about the pandemic. And like, we can debate whether that is good or bad based on the, like, do we need something that just completely like pacifies and satiates us right now? I, I think that's a different question for a different day. But like, if they can somehow create something that you are not reminded every 15 seconds that like, oh yeah, this is unpaid labor and they're all getting sick and like, we don't know the long-term repercussions, but there will be some and they won't be protected from it. Like it might be bad to even just try and turn your brain off from that. But I do know naturally that like, if people are reminded of that less, they will care about it more. Just like the NBA I think the title is going to be viewed as pretty legitimate because they seem to all be collectively buying in and there aren't any external factors sort of hindering the product. Yeah, it's here's the thing. If they were just if the players were paid, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's run let's let's run through it. Let's go. Excited for the season. That's kind of how I feel about the NFL right now. But didn't we always and that's an interesting point, because didn't we all like I don't know about you guys. Like as bad as things got, and even on that weird weekend where it led to two cancellations out of the five for college football, and the internet was just even more insufferable than it's ever been. Even through the worst of this, haven't we all just kind of assumed the NFL is going to plow through? Absolutely. Oh, I've yeah, I've never, I've never had any doubt of because I figured they were given enough time to not be like back against the wall like the MLB like how do we feel like they know enough about it by the time the season started to where it's like I think they have enough money to put loose protocols in place to where they are not going to have like team outbreaks like I think they'll be able to ice like you'll have players here and there based on each individual players like risk averseness or what if that's even a word based on what they do at home and outside the facility but like the college one is t- like we've. I mean, we've we've hit on this ad nauseum, but just like being on a college campus that is operational since we've last recorded, uh, like Bama has more COVID cases than like the European European the European Union. Uh, Georgia shit's just going crazy. LSU had the entire offensive line quarantine, and so like the NFL, they just seem to have be willing to spend more money to make it actually work, as opposed to college football. I think still wants to bury their head in the sand. The KB, what is going on in Tuscaloosa, by the way? And granted, I haven't really seen much from Oxford since I've left, but like in the summer when there weren't any students, if you really wanted to brave it and do the whole going out thing, both of y'all, I think, have been to the library or at least know what it looks like. It's irrecognizable, the experience. You sit at tables way spaced out and the bartenders come to you. It may be different now they have students back and that's impossible to manage. But, like, I'm seeing lines outside of bars in Tuscaloosa and then pictures inside them where it's just, like, business as usual. Are there no restrictions? Or am I just looking at internet photos and so making I, my own look, assumptions? First of all, whoever the uh, administrative leak in Tuscaloosa is has just been, you know, on point. They've been providing every single detail to the media. It's like, AL.com has more information than it seems like President Bell does from time to time. Uh, but, you know, we... So I know a few people who are faculty members, you know, at the school and they were told all summer, we have a plan. There is a plan. Um, we promise like, you know, 
once the plan is like completely finalized, we'll give it to you. And then, you know, we'll start implementing it. And apparently the plan was just telling students, oh, don't forget to wear masks and socially distance and wash your hands, guys. That that was the plan. I it I don't think apparently over the summer some of the bars were doing social distancing, which is good. But uh, you know you could do that before thirty thousand you know students ages eighteen to like twenty three all descend upon town over the same week long period. Uh, it's it's business as usual, but I have no idea how the bars are. You know they they swear to the mayor. We promise. You know we're telling people to wear masks, but we can't control everyone. But if you can't control people wearing masks, you should be open. That's <laughs> in a pandemic. That seems simple to me. Uh, yeah, that's something that. Yeah, isn't that the whole point of this thing is the need to control people in some way. That's why you see so many angry people in targets destroying stuff because they don't want to wear a mask. Like, you need to be able <laughs> to control people. Which is interesting. Which is an interesting thing because, like, I mean, I, I've seen this just with people that I know. People like you have so many people that are going to comply like out of just sheer social pressure that it's insane that, I mean, obviously now wearing a mask is political, but like it really is crazy that like if you tell someone that they only have to wear a mask to walk into a restaurant, then they can take it off at the table and they don't have to put it back on until they walk out. That's exactly what they're going to do. If you tell them that they are going to, if they have to walk in to a restaurant and every time the waiter comes up to the table, they have to put their mask on. That's exactly what they're going to do. Like you have so many people and it's not a bad thing that are just rule followers by nature. And so when you abdicate responsibility and like, don't put those proper rules in place and just say like personal individual responsibility, like let's all work together. It's not going to work. Like I, I don't know what phase we're on in Louisiana anymore, but like I went to pick up food the other day and it was like, oh shit, like I guess we have just like shit is open now. Like, like I've gotten to the point where like I, I can't care. I can't get mad. Like I can just go do what I'm going to do to be safe at this point. I don't know. There is it, it, it. Look, it's I'm trying to stay mad, but at a healthy level that no, this isn't normal. Like every other country has found a way to beat this. So at a certain level, you do need a baseline level of anger to remind yourself to continue encouraging other people. But at the same time, it's like, look, I, if, I know if I stay safe, I'm good, you know, because I, I can't help other people. No amount of tweets that I retweet or, you know, links I share with people are going to convince them. People made their minds up, you know, before March was over how they were going to deal with it. And they just haven't changed since. Um, so it's... And- once start places started opening up too, it was yeah, pretty much we could impossible. hold off the wave until I, mean, I don't know, like late June or whatever, when everyone's like, you know what, we're bored. So you know, yeah, bars are a thing again, and just <laughs> downhill. Well, and even you can you can tell the people that have just generally dismissed this as a thing because they are, like I was saying, they are doing everything they can up to like the rule of law. So it's like, well, if bars aren't like. If restaurants are open, they're going to go in restaurants. If they have to wear a mask to walk in, that's what they're going to do. But if bars aren't open, they're just going to gather 25 inside of someone's house and have like the amount of weddings that I've seen that have been going on and stuff right now. I I know that this is a separate conversation from college football, but like this is the entire conversation in regards to like, we're about to send 25,000 people into one location. Like I'm sure there have been other socially distanced things, but like 
that seems like the most amount of people in a small area that we've had up to this point, correct? Or at least like walking through one bottleneck because like your local grocery store doesn't have 25,000 people. Like I can't think of something that has that many people like operating in common spaces together up to this point. And so like we're about to see a third fucking yeah, That's wave. a great like, point, Andrew, because obviously if you put 25,000 people in Bryant-Denny, yeah, everyone can sit four seats apart or whatever, but there aren't 25,000 entrances in Bryant-Denny Stadium. You know, there's like, there's like, yeah, or bathroom, exactly. there's concession stands, yeah, there's or like eight handrails, entrances. <laughs> entrances. Yeah, it's I, going to be a I, again. I have no idea how they expect on like you know having fans there. You know, these twenty five thousand people can come watch the game in the stadium, but um, no one's allowed to tailgate outside of it. It's it's going to be a disaster, and I'm kind of looking forward to it uh, in a weird way. <laughs> and. The, the how big these stadiums are, I mean, there are 100,000 people. And so like they generally let people in from like three hours before the game until like an hour after kickoff. And so like that's with literally funning, funneling people into the stadium as fast as you can and you still have bottlenecks. So if you're going to increase procedures of like not only are they going to be checking bags, like if they're doing any sort of temperature, if they're doing any sort like so uh, – so apparently it was my fault this time. My internet just said it is no longer working. I have cast far too many stones from inside my glass house at KP. Um, <laughs> one day it'll be Rippy's turn though. I don't even know. I, I don't even know where I was at. I was rambling about some, some sort of bottleneck about the lines in college football stadiums, just because again, 25,000 people is so many goddamn people. Like it's, it's insane. Like that's more than it. It's more people on campus than you would ever have at a packed college basketball game ever. And like, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. Like, yes, like, yes, they are not directly next to each other. Like, I guess my my thought process is when they're in the stadium, that's the furthest apart they're ever going to be. And so you're still gathering 25,000 people together. Yeah. I don't know. It, and, and even if you're with a crew, like let's say a family of four you know, has tickets and obviously they live together. So, you know, they are fine to sit near each other, even without face coverings. Um, but, you know, they're going to encounter like 60 other families of four, <laughs> at least just getting to their seats or just like going to the bathroom or getting a water. If that's even a thing. And if like, as we, but then at the same time, you mentioned that being a ton of people, and it is. But then, like once they get into the stadium, like in normal terms, it's an alarmingly few amount of people inside that stadium, and for like good reason. But I'm just thinking about this from their perspective. If we ever get out of this and everything's go back to normal, like I feel like there's a moment the next time I'm at a football game when the world is normal, COVID is dead, whatever. If we're still around, and look around and be like, holy shit, there's 90,000 people together watching the same thing. Like, I just never feel like I took that uh, fully under consideration anytime I was in Death Valley or Bryant Denny or whatever. It's like, this is a shit ton of people in one place. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'll say this. The only times that I think I've, I've noticed it is when I've been, like, very high inside the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, we're all part of a collective. <laughs> The 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 you know, stadiums. Wait, sorry, KB. Uh, I was gonna say I never fully grasped it until the first time I stepped on the field and I looked around. It's like, well, it's this many people in here every time. 
Like you just go out and do like, you know, some of the hardest athletic feats imaginable, you know, 12 times a year in front of this many people every time. It's, it's insane. The, the amount of people that we just decided it's cool to pack into one confined place. And it's worked for 150 years. <laughs> now I haven't, again, this is part of my checking out. Uh, I haven't seen any policies regarding tailgating. Is that in a school by school, state by state, a conference? What? I, 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 I don't know. Tate, so I don't really know like what the jurisdiction is, but Tate Reeves did ban it. The governor of Mississippi, like in his or in whatever phase Mississippi is currently in, he put in a twenty five percent capacity at all stadiums and no tailgating. Now, how that is monitored, whether that's up to the school or the state government, I have no clue. But I do know the governor of Mississippi did put something in there in his latest whatever. That was like no tailgating quarter full. Yeah, I do think governors do have the because it is like, you know, it's uh camp is a state property, right? So you governors can do that. But I do think it's like school by school. I think Florida State is like they've allowed tailgating, but you basically have to be a member of, you know, whatever their booster club is or, you know, have donated X amount of dollars in the last two years or so. Speaking of these, so uh, at George's like if you're in the highest ring of like the dick sucking society, then you get like four tickets at, 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 and it's four, I think four games. And then it's four tickets for two games and then four tickets for one game. And like, that's the max that you can get. Something I'm wondering is like the, I mean, the only like athletic foundations or like whatever societies that I'm familiar with is LSU and Georgia, but like the way that most of them or at least those two operate is they're like very, very non-transferable in terms of tickets. And like, it is very like points based and every dollar you donate gets you a point. It moves you up priority lists. And if you're like, there's, there's cutoffs at certain numbers. And so like, obviously these cutoffs are going in, but like, we're talking about 25% capacity. What's the average age going to be of these games? Because like, there's a lot of like, I, I, I'm sure every one of y'all know this, like just walking around tailgates, like not having, potentially not having season tickets. Like you usually go to some like super well-off guys tailgate. He's like, yeah, I got 16 of them. I need these four. And like, they, they like, especially for the smaller games, they just start getting like handed out almost. Or like you buy one on the cheap from somebody that you know, those extras are gone. Like that one guy, the, 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 the matriarch or the patriarch of this family, like <laughs> they are going to the game. And so like all of the the kids and the grandkids and those tickets that usually like, I feel like get dispersed amongst when we were in college, the college kids and stuff like those are gone. Is it just gonna be a bunch of 65 year olds trying not to die here? Probably. Uh, I mean, yeah, you bring up a good point. Cause the oldest ones are the ones that like the that are going to have the most pull in terms of getting tickets. How did now that if that's a, not a perfect description for this whole thing, I don't know what is. I mean, that's just yeah, because the, it's just the North Zone in Tuscaloosa, basically. But <laughs> it's just that nothing but <laughs> nothing but sixty five year olds just watching the game. That's it. That's no one else is going to be in the stadium. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a two time alum, um, and I've donated some money to the school, and I, I, don't, I don't have a prayer at seeing a game inside Brian Denny this year. I don't even want to know what the process would be for me. <laughs> there should be a decor. If we're going to do this 25% capacity thing, we should pass a set of laws on like fan decorum to where if you scream, like run the fucking ball or something, you get booted in favor of someone else. Or, you know, 
if you question the play calling six plays into the game, out of here, the other guy gets a shot. We should make our own set of rules. Any, any mentioning of firing, any mentioning of a firing of a coordinator immediately bumped down the list. But there also needs to be like a decibel count of like, we can't have any quiet fans in there if it's only going to be 25%. So like, I think there needs to be a decibel be- meter on your on your chair and or on the chair in front of you. And if it doesn't radiate loud enough, then then you're like put into purgatory for the next game or something. But do we, I like that. But when Whitehead has too much scotch and passes out, he's got to be booted. Someone else can take that spot and yell. But with a mask though, you have to be able to reach your decibel count with a mask on. Cause I don't want a bunch Correct. of I don't want a bunch of boomers screaming, you know, without masks <laughs> in a confined area. <laughs> There was somebody when uh, for for our season tickets growing up at LSU, there was uh, someone who would get regular. It wasn't the the normal person, but they would give it, it to someone with uh, the the hole in their throat from emphysema. And I'm I'm wondering how that guy is going to be rocking in Tiger Stadium. Do you have to go mask over the hole in your throat and over your mouth? Oh, that's a good point. I'm sure Taff is finding a way to get those in production right now. <laughs> the the uh the athletic associations i have to imagine are like imagine working in any sort of like pr or relations or like any sort of do- donation field for an athletic department right now it has to like it, it just has to be a bunch of people that make like 300 grand a year yelling at you that they don't have as much pull as the person like donating a million dollars a year just like a bunch of a bunch of dentists and like low level associate lawyers just screaming your fucking ass off. Look, I think that it's also a very look. I don't know how fair it is, but I don't really have an issue with it. It's like, look, if you want to watch a game, give us a million dollars. If if you want to see a game in person this year, make sure you've given the school a million dollars over the course of whatever time period. I mean, you to your point though, with this strap for cash as some of these places are, whether the schools are the initiator or not, how much of the under the table oh oh the volleyball team needs a new arena? Done. Where are my tickets type of thing for the twenty five percent? Yeah, I mean, not not crazy and, and also what does the resale market look like? Uh, because you 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 play into this entire thing of like, so there's only going to be 25% tickets, but then you're also going to knock off some of the, like, I'm not looking on the fucking real, I'm not going to a game this year. Like, it's just not something I'm going to do. I'm not going to have fun while I'm there. It's not going to be worth, like, the whole, like, you can't tailgate, you can't go out after. It's just not an enjoyable experience. I'd rather sit on my couch, like, watch all the other games. And so, I think that the pool is going to shrink of people who are going to buy it. But at the same time, like there are plenty enough dumb people in all of these states that are, are very well. Okay. Spending two, three, $400 to be in a one fourth full stadium. That even furthers it. This is, I guess, a conversation for way down the road, but you know, the big hot radio topic the last couple of years has been what's wrong with the, like does college football have an attendance issue? And to your point, like obviously, I used to have to go to the games because I worked. But like the weekends I worked, the last thing didn't work. Like bye weeks, the last thing I wanted to do was go to a game. I wanted to sit on my couch or sit at like a restaurant for part of it and watch it on a bunch of TVs or a huge TV in the comfort of my own home or some bar or something that's you know a lot more intimate than going into the game. This would only have to further that, right? Because they were normal in 2021. There has to be a faction of people that watch all the games in 2020 at home and are like, actually, this is way better. Yeah, yeah. Watching at home has always been way better. 
unless you look a lot of people they care about being in a stadium for big games i am one of those people uh but if it's like you know no disrespect to smaller schools but if bay was playing southern miss you know i'd much rather just you know watch that game from the comfort of my own home or you know in a restaurant or even a bar than you know the process of finding a ticket getting to the stadium finding a way like figuring out plans after the game finding a way home afterwards it's just it's it's not worth it most of the time. It just isn't. And that's that's one of those things that it, it's nice being to the point where, like, I will – for Georgia games, I, I typically will do, like, three things. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll do the first game of the year. I will do the biggest game of the year. And then I will do Georgia-Florida. And so or if Georgia-Florida is not the biggest game, then I'll pick, like, a big home game or something. Mm-hmm. But, like – I've liked that setup because it's like I can make a big weekend out of it. I can get the to-do. We can get big plans. We can get a bus. We can do whatever. But, like, I stay much more plugged into college football because, like, when when I was – I was plugged in when I was working, but I do remember weekends in college where it's like, all right, you got a 6 o'clock game. Like, you're trying to work the hot spot, and it's going out a little bit, so you catch some scores, but you're drinking, and then you go into the game, and you have to walk to the stadium an hour early, and then you hit the bar after. And so, like, you you end up catching up on a lot of the stuff on Sunday morning, but then kind of the NFL starts before you ever, like, actually watch any highlights. And so, I don't know. I, I find that you're going to have a lot of people, like you were saying, that – they're just so conditioned to, all right, I go to the stadium. I go to Oxford during the weekend. I do that. That's what I do on the weekends. And then when they don't have the ability to, they're like, Oh shit. Like not, not that they don't have fun, but like maybe it's not worth a thousand dollars every time I want to go to a football game with the weekend and everything. You pretty much just inadvertently describe why no one should ever get pissed off at an AP poll ever again, because the dudes voting on it that cover teams don't actually get to watch college football. No. It's kind of a messed up. It was, it's insane. They watch more college football than ever before now. And even if you ask a writer on the East Coast, like, how many games you watched this week? Oh, four. <laughs> you're tired. Yeah, you're tired. I mean, uh, you're, you, you're the, if you're normal, you're up doing Adderall before the game. And then you got to get through the fucking game and then write some bullshit piece with a, with a quote from somebody that you don't really want to talk to. And then it's 11 o'clock and you're like, I just want to drink and think of, like, I, Rippy can speak to this a lot more because he was like full-time beat employed as opposed to me who just did it as a student. But like you, it it turns into a job. Like, I I mean, it it becomes to the point where like you, you still really enjoy it. But like, if you're doing something for 10 hours in one day, even if that thing is football that we might like more than anything else, like there is a monotonous and repetitive part to it. The only shot I would ever going to get, and this is why I honestly, I, I, Thanks for nothing, COVID. But like when I got out of here, I was thinking like I'm going to get to watch football on Saturdays all day without any responsibilities, and it's going to be awesome. And now, you know, whatever that looks like is definitely going to be different. But to your point, the only prayer on a Saturday that Ole Miss played that I had of watching football in like the way I want to watch it to where I'm not just killing time in a hotel room type of deal was if Ole Miss had an 11 o'clock game. Because if it's a three o'clock kickoff, you got to get there one thirty or two, 
and you're game 6.30, you're out of there 8.39 at best. And then, of course, anything after that, you can imagine it's even later. The only prayer you had to ever watch any football in like a, you know, and have, you know, drink a beer and do it comfortably was if an 11 o'clock game. That was the only time you could do it. Yeah. And still then you're like, the night games just imagine and then you're cheering for 11 o'clock football which just sucks ass yeah like, exactly. and most of the times where it's an 11 o'clock game Ole Miss is playing the little sisters of the poor and so like even when you go out after to get a drink like not everybody's in town ta- like on all the big games all the big weekends you're working like yeah just a, yeah just imagine like a an ACC rider so they're on the east coast and their game is at 3.30 p.m., and they're an AP poll voter, there's absolutely no way that they'll watch, like, a number 18 Stanford play, a number 23 UCLA. There's no way that they get to catch that game and make an informed um, AP poll vote because by the time that they're finished with their responsibilities, it's already, like, you know, 11.30 p.m., and that game's in the third quarter, and that person's going to sleep. (laughs) I missed LSU-Texas because of oh, I wish I could find the schedule. I missed LSU Texas. I think because of Ole Miss ULM. I missed LSU Florida because of Southeastern Louisiana, and then I missed Bama LSU because of New Mexico State last year. <laughs> That's absolutely- every snap of it. Did not watch a single snap of either one of those games. It was the exact same kickoff. That's oh god that the uh. That LSU Florida, I went to the LSU Florida game this year. The one where they gate a hundred thousand people gator chomping Florida was a a surreal experience that I don't think I will I will ever get to live again. I, that was f- oh my, I hate, I really do hate Florida. I've I've spent he, I've spent he, he does, not guys. a lot of he time does. in the offseason thinking about how much I hate Florida, but I really do. Also, the game that I watched where I was like, yep, LSU's going to beat us this year. Just, you know, the, I wasn't convinced from the Texas game because Texas' secondary just, you know, was never that impressive to me. But after the LSU Florida game, I was like, yep, no, Bama's losing to LSU. It's fine. I accepted it, you know, three weeks in advance. But, you know, it's the way of the world, I guess. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when does, like, when does Bama and Georgia play? Like, the, I guess since we've last recorded, the SEC schedule has come out. I I literally don't know. I know we open up with Arkansas, but I don't know Georgia's schedule outside of that. Like that that is the level of of apathy that we're working with here. It, so I, Bama, Bama LSU is quote unquote week four, which is October seventeenth now. Wait, Bama LSU or no Bama, Bama Georgia? Bama Georgia, sorry. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Week four. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Because we said that's the same week as LSU Florida, so they're going to make it to that week and then cancel it. Yes, they're going to get all the TV okay. money from you know the two biggest games of the regular season, and then call it quits. What do you do though? Like, I if to flesh this out, like I guess get this thing somewhat back on the rails. What do you do if they do make it through this thing? And you have three conferences done in November and the Big Ten falls through with this plan of, hey, we're going to start in November. Like, how does that work? What do you that sucks so It sucks so much shit, dude. This is so dumb. I, it, I, 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 look, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but the play, a playoff committee, the playoff committee just has to tell the Big Ten, no, like we're playing our playoff, you know, on New Year's Eve and January 11th or whatever the dates are. Like you can start before then, but you, if you don't have a season completed by Selection Sunday, then no. <laughs> no, I got a serious question. Can you? This is gonna, 
You know how you know how infuriating this is going to be, though, because we're going to have like the college football playoff on the same weekend that like eight no Ohio State like beats the shit out of Penn State or something. Like, like that's what's going to like the Big Ten is going to function their schedule to siphon off as much buzz from the college football playoff as possible. Because if they're playing an eight week season starting in November, they're going to be playing within three or four days of the college football playoff. Can you imagine just even steering it back to the beginning of this thing? And I know they said start roughly around Thanksgiving, but just let me imagine this and have fun with this. Can you imagine the country having a presidential election on November 3rd and then the Big Ten say it opens its season like November 9th? Can you imagine the boners the conspiracy theorists would have for that? It would be on another level. I am going to kill myself. I think that's that's a wet dream. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely very worried. Uh, I've been on a college campus for two presidential elections, and um, they're probably my two least favorite months of college ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't see how the Big Ten can – well, I can see how they can do it, money, clearly. But it's going to be one of their worst ideas yet. Not to mention most of the Big Ten plays in places that are just uninhabitable from November through February. It's like yeah. well, I, I was gonna I was going to host Purdue – what on you know January nineteenth? There's no, there's no way. <laughs> a whole seat. If, if one Big Ten team has ten snow games or eight snow games, that would be the greatest season of all time in a weird way. Well, there's and you know it's going to be great when they plan a bye week around Christmas and then all of the players go home and just spread coronavirus to every single possible gathering they can. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, they cannot manage to just formulate a conservative plan and then stick to it. Yeah. Like that's that, that's like from the highest level administration down to the absolute lowest. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but it has just been at the beginning. If we could have said, we got to sit on our ass for eight fucking weeks, we would have been fine. And that this happens across the country is we keep thinking that we're going to figure something new out or if like we put our heads in the sand for long enough it's going to go away it's just like make a concrete timetable that if is probably 20 percent longer than it needs to be and then stick to that and guess what at the end of it it will be objectively better than anything else that you were going to try to yeah do. every single plan i've seen from every level you know local state national um and even many many private entities it's just like the most balls to the wall thing possible. It's like the most extreme scenario you could possibly think of every single time, every plan. And at a certain point you get like, okay, you guys don't actually think we're going to, you know, accomplish this, right? There's no way you would say this is the plan and think like we're going to get through it. Like when Alabama said, we're going to bring 30,000 people back and it's going to be fine because they're going to wash their hands. What's his face in Arkansas? One up to everybody, and granted, this was back in May, saying he planned to operate at full capacity. I, I don't know if old takes exposes on that one, but like, 
that aside, if the Big Ten does the whole November thing, I mean, isn't that – you might as well have we bought this worse than anyone possible written across your forehead, right? Because it's not like anything's going to be different in November. And, like, as reckless as the other three conferences may seem, at least they stuck to one plan. Like, how, like, how can you, like, say, no, we're going to cancel it for the spring, then welch on that just to start in November? To me, that's the worst possible outcome in terms of PR. So playing, I guess, uh, devil's advocate, I guess, or uh, maybe potential voice of the Big Ten, um, would it be to save the 2021 season? Is that the thought? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's absolutely what the thought is because, you know, you asking the kids, like, you can't tout really the player safety thing and then ask them to play two seasons in, what, eight, nine months or whatever that is. But it doesn't really hold up on the back end either because then you have people asking, well, what's different between November and September? No, the, the, the logic makes no sense. I just think logistically they probably can't roll out September 26th or whatever like they wanted to. I agree with that. But it wouldn't, like, I know Peter Burns has made this case, and there's no reason, as we've talked about ad nauseum, like, uh, like there's no reason for these conferences to operate on the same page because they want to have their own best interests. But it would be ideal if the other conferences waited to like mid If the Big Ten actually wants back in at this thing, wouldn't the be- best ideal scenario is everyone just start mid October? You, you would have to. So here's the thing. Again, you need a college football commissioner that would solve all of this. But I, I think. The SEC probably, or someone like the SEC, then looks at it and says, all right, is it worth pushing it back five? Like, are we going to make enough money, enough more money, like letting the Big Ten back in to boost the legitimacy, the the theoretical legitimacy of the playoff? Or are we just better off powering through? And because it, the way that a lot of these deals work, like the money is already in hand it's not like like all of this is basically how many eyeballs can we bring to the table to renegotiate our next deal and since people like the sec are in the midst of deal negotiations things like this matter mm-hmm. and so it, it, it's not like they have they are losing money at the current moment the espn sec deal or whatever that is the cbs deal however they have them structured those are already paid out this is basically for future loss mitigation and so like I don't think you end up with, like I think you have the SEC that ends up just saying no fuck that we'll like we will be fine enough if we just stick to our plan if if all that ends up happening is we have to crown a conference champion and the playoff doesn't look as legitimate that isn't going to end up hurting us but what could end up hurting us is us kicking the can down the road like for example, something could happen where we kick the can down the road, virus manages to get worse in the winter, and then we have legitimately lost an entire season. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, I, I think that boils down to the fact that, you know, we don't know. No one really knows. Not even, you know, university presidents and ADs who were, you know, look, a lot of people are to blame for the lack of a college football season or the lack of a regular college football season. Um, but I think, I mean, we've, you know, hammer this point, you know, to the point where it's almost dead now. University presidents and ADs hold, you know, you know, they hold a pretty good bit of blame for just refusing to just like acknowledge the fact that there was a virus that could affect the season. And not just football too, all fall sports, volleyball, um, soccer, uh, you know, basically everything on a college campus has been hindered because people couldn't put together a plan. Adults who are paid very, very handsomely, you know, to, you know, 
lead through issues exactly like this one. Just, you know, they did they didn't meet the challenge. And to underscore your point, like it's not even just sports, it's, it's how about school? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. School? exactly. I mean, again, like we said, I I don't know how Alabama is the only school whose numbers are just like <laughs> known by the entire nation at this point, but it's it's not just Al- it's everywhere. It's any you know, college campus of at least, you know, medium size, it, it's happening everywhere. You know, students are just, they're not, they're not following the rules. And, you know, I kind of don't want to blame the kids because once again, I never had to go to college during a pandemic. So I can't say how I would have or would not have reacted. Um, but there was going back to Andrew's earlier point, no one told them what to do. They were just told to come back to school and pay for housing and tuition. I was about to say, I, I, I don't know. I I think that we have um, belabored this point a whole lot, but the moment that you called those people back to campus, the moment that you just stopped operating in reality, like it, like, like that was like, that's the moment when, when we've been kind of talking about like, I, part of the reason I quit my job is because I was like, y'all are just putting on airs right now. Like you, like you recognize the virus is bad, but like, you aren't actually making people safer. You are just doing this to have people think they are safe enough to make sure the tuition check clears. And so like when you're dealing with now extrapolate that to a major state university, I mean, it's really the exact same thing. Alabama didn't need a plan. They just needed to convince people that they had a plan long enough to make sure that the, the, uh, tuition checks weren't going to bounce. And so once they were able to figure that out, they're going to be doing the same thing for the spring semester because they fucked up so bad in the fall that this is going to be a spring semester issue. And you're going to have people in the spring that say, y'all didn't have a plan. I'm holding my dollars until you actually develop one. And I think that's where we could from maybe not as much of a sports side, but I think from an academic institution side, we could be in a whole lot of trouble because universities burned like their their one mulligan on this of like we trusted you you fucked up and now we're not going to trust you anymore yeah i can't imagine being a parent sending my well first of all i can't imagine sending my kid back to campus in general during all of this but um sending my kid to campus in the fall seeing everything that's gone on and they're just paying no discernible direction in you know in any way shape or form and then like having them come home for Thanksgiving, but not going back because that's how it spreads even more. And then setting them right back in January. I just, it's, it, that's not realistic to me. I don't know. It's, but I believe that COVID is real. So I could be different. I don't know. Yeah, I have Rippy. It, uh, it appears that your screen has gone blank and you're now showing a map of, uh, it, it looks like Dallas, Texas. That was me. I was trying to hit the mute microphone for two seconds as I plug something in and I hit mute camera. So what that was a map of oh yeah, it is. It's a nice yeah. Rippy has become oh, Rippy has become um the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Pretty yeah, much he, I am the Metroplex. We got a good forty five minutes in, didn't we? An hour? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got two recordings that are one's twenty four minutes, one's twenty nine. So yeah, fifty three. Um so um, we killed KP. The recording went out. Um, his internet didn't go out. We killed him. So this is the end of the episode. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.